0: Hey there everybody, welcome to another episode of the Rocket MSP group uh, of the Rocket MSP podcast. I'm Steve Taylor, I'm your host and today is going to be a fun one. Uh, I'm going to be joined here in a moment uh, from, with somebody from Curricula and somebody from Electric and you may have heard of Electric, uh, it's Electric.ai, they are a really big MSP Uh, They, I believe, cover the entire United States. So I'm going to go ahead and bring these gentlemen on right now. First, I will introduce you to Nick Santora. Hey there, Nick. Steve, thanks for having me. Absolutely, sir. You are, uh, I believe, the
1: CEO of Curricula, correct? CEO, founder, janitor, you name it. Call me what you will, but I've been around for a while.
0: All right. And then we have Andrew Andrew Tynan from Electric. Now, Andrew, you are the manager of partnerships product at Electric.
2: Correct, Steve. So that product that has been in the brackets is the department that I sit in. And I'm sure I'm going to talk about why that's the case um, as part of this conversation. But thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh i have I have so many questions, so curricula, you guys do some really cool stuff when it comes to cybersecurity. you guys you guys make security awareness training fun, or at least that's what your website claims. um I, I will say though that that cute little girl she she is fun, but isn't but she's the bad guy, right? It's kind of like the a die hero. So yes, she actually, okay. she runs our fishing
1: simulator, but she also is kind of sweet after she hacks you and she teaches you how to dodge our real life hacker friends.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that sounds uh, much more fun than uh, you just rooting for the hacker, the evil mean hacker. Um, so, so let's, I guess I just kind of want to dive in a little bit uh, right into curricula. So can you can you kind of fill me in on what exactly you would say curricula is? So in the biggest concept,
1: we basically teach companies how to not get hacked. So that's the goal. And, and we all know that we don't want to get hacked. And we're all trying to prevent this from happening. And MSPs are trying to prevent their clients from getting hacked. So our goal is is to get employees engaged and almost shift their security behaviors and culture into a new direction and into a direction of not just checking the box and doing things that they're told to do, but uh, doing things that they're not told to do because they actually understand
3: the risks of what they face every day.
0: Ah, that I like. Um, Andrew, can you tell me a, a much more eloquent version of what electric does than what I said?
2: Sure thing, Steve. So, Electric is now in its fourth, ordering on fifth year of service, and despite the fact that we are offering a fairly typical MSP um, scope of support, we like to think ourselves as a little bit different from a typical MSP, in that we are a product-led company, and we have a suite of software that we have developed over um, our lifetime to provide SMBs with a um, robust suite of IT tools that is um, somewhat more easy and efficient to access than
3: uh, what we find to see in the market today. Got it.
0: Now, when I, when I look at your bio here, I see that Electric is a Series C startup already. How How is it that you guys have amassed 40,000 end users and over 500 SMB customers in five years? And not only that, but in one of the, the most dense cities in the nation where you probably have, I want to say, 2,500 competitors in New York City.
2: Correct. And I do believe that... Almost half of our customers to date are located in New York, but we do have uh, SMBs located across the country, Steve. And in fact, we are capable of supporting customers in now 200 locations or cities across the country. But think, part of the reason for our growth is that SMBs and every company needs IT support, and we are. Um, doing a great job of, of engaging with the people that need IT support and, and making it very clear as to the value the electric can provide to them. Um, I wouldn't, it would be remiss of me not to give a shout out to our sales and marketing team, which are doing a great job of, um, positioning electric's, um, services to the right people and, once we've got the right people on the line, it's a very easy, uh, and uh, big conversation to, to demonstrate the value of what we're doing for us today. So I think, um, the customer growth that we've had is not slowing down in Q2. We acquired something like 120 new logos across the country. So, uh, I anticipate that, that our growth in next six half, in the next second half of this year is
3: only going to accelerate.
0: That's amazing. Uh Nick, how can you tell me a little bit about your career in the IT world? Because um I, I don't know, you just kind of pop up out of nowhere. You have got this this great cybersecurity training thing, but who were you before that?
1: So I've been I love IT since I was in a young high school. Got certifications when I was a junior in high school and always wanted to go into this field. And caught a job at an agency called NERC, which if you're not familiar, it's the North American Electric Reliability Corporation. A lot easier to say NERC. Uh, they regulate the power grid in North America. So from my early career, I actually was involved in helping protect our nation's infrastructure from all of the adversaries and nation state hackers and teaching our utilities on how to keep the lights on. So I spent seven years there. In my career, uh, Certifications of the wazoo, CISSP, CISA chased all of the traditional career paths. And, you know, knowing what I knew and seeing what I saw, I got to go visit a lot of utilities across North America, uh, basically meeting with CISOs at these huge uh, vertically integrated utilities and talking to them about how they're going to get hacked and how it was going to be a silly mistake. And if you look at the colonial pipeline, all the other things that have happened and brought this to light, I mean, this is not news. This is not new to to the world. This is something that has been a problem for decades. The learnings from there is really what made me discover that there was a massive problem in educating people about all of the crazy, complex lawyer rules that we put on them and hope that they know what's going on. So from there, the idea came and basically sparked up the uh, original concept of making curricula help teach utilities in North America how to learn how to protect critical
3: infrastructure.
0: Well, I think that today more than ever, this is a critical component of what everybody needs to understand. I mean, everybody down to kids in elementary school rely on computers. I've my son; he just turned nine. Like. I don't think they would know how to teach anymore if he didn't have a Chromebook. It's, it's absolutely insane to me. And then, you know, I don't know how old you are, but I graduated 2002 and like, we weren't even allowed to, you know, have a, an electric anything. Like it was a, it was like a privilege to go to the library and use those shared computers there. We, we might've had one or two computers in the classroom. So the, the shift I'm, I'm like, Excited and nervous at, you know, what are the next five to ten years going to hold? And right now, I feel like uh, everything happening in IT in general, it's like the Wild West, you know, and things are just going to get crazier. So, so Andrew, with all of that, uh, how on earth did you decide to reach out to curricula or was it the other way around?
2: It's interesting, Steve, going back to your comment about the next five to 10 years. I was speaking to a partner last week and we were discussing where do we see cybersecurity and the role that it plays in five to 10 years. And I said, it is going to be so pervasive across every company. Before you do anything on day one, it is, I imagine, or I hypothesize, going to be security. This is our cybersecurity policy. This is security. And I think that we're starting to see that trend um, happen very quickly. And so um, it was a very important and easy conversation for us to start with the curricular team that came actually off the back of a recommendation from one of curricular's partners' coalition a cyber security insurance provider. Um, and Nick and I got talking about the work that they're doing. Um, and it felt like a very natural and very easy fit.
1: I also, uh, had to, I met, uh, Bill back year, I think a year or two prior to that in Atlanta. And that's how I, I kind of, wow, that's cool. Like we work with a lot of these companies that are customers of yours and, we started talking at that dinner and then I, I came up to New York and met with him and a few others to uh, your offices there. And it was just, you know, this is what it takes. It's it's relationships and building trust amongst the community here. And it was just uh, kind of a no-brainer for us to keep the convo going at that point.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think there's a lot of alignment in terms of the the values of curricular and electric, um, curricular doing things in a modern way to other, other security awareness training providers and that, resonated very, very closely with me and the, the work that we're doing at Electric. So despite what my CISO might have recommended in terms of security awareness providers and some of the more traditional or old school ones, um, you know, it was a very uh, easy decision for us to make in terms of our
0: partnership with curricula. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Andrew. Curricula, you launched your MSP program back in March. Andrew, you were included in the press release. While uh, you said training your team with security best practices is a priority for our customers when it comes to cybersecurity, we're so excited to partner with Curricula because the content is so different from the typical boring security awareness training uh, that you can get from vendors out there. Um, our customers are looking to us for knowledge. All. Uh, Around all things security and curricula helps us clearly communicate that message in a fun way. So, why is curricula different? Like, it it sounds like, you know, the the big thing for you is you're making it fun. Is that really the biggest thing with curricula for you?
2: I think the biggest thing for us is. We wanted a partner that we knew our customers would engage with both on day one and it, get one, two, three into the relationship. I was concerned that some of the other vendors that we were evaluating, um, despite having a very impressive and long track record, um, were not going to be able to effectively engage with our end users in the long run. So the word fun, um, you know, was, I think a great kind of uh, perhaps reference or example to the way that curricula are providing their content. It is, you know, the characters you mentioned like DD make it interesting and enjoy to, to work with the platform. Um, and that, That is very important to us because security awareness training is, we think, a fundamental part of any IT stack. And uh, we knew that Curricula had a modern approach to doing that. So, yes, we think it's a very important consideration to the partnership, Steve.
0: Is Curricula the first product that you've deployed to your customers for security training?
2: It is. It is. There are customers that that come to us with legacy um, security awareness training providers I'm not going to name names, but you know I'm sure you'd be familiar with them uh, but but it is the first
3: product that we are actively recommending to our customers
0: and how do your customers react when you, you know when you put this in front of them because I know the last thing that I would want is for my vendor to to think he's so important that he can give me homework?
2: It's a really great, great question. And when we think about our customers, we uh, have a number of kind of criteria that we evaluate them into or number of personas that we look at. One of them is IT maturity. We have some customers, Steve, with a relatively high IT maturity. Um, and that is companies with the director of IT, an established IT department, um, and we would treat the conversation with those types of customers very differently to someone with a de facto IT um, person that could be a someone in an engineering capacity or operations or HR capacity. So the conversation has to be very um, different depending on how establish their IT departments why because someone with a, with the knowledge and education as to the value of security awareness training is going to have a very different response or reaction to someone perhaps with as much knowledge in that space so speaking to the director of IT security awareness training is a no-brainer it is it is less as much of Show me what the impact of this is and, and tell me why this is important as much as um, how is this solution going to be better, easier, um, more efi- more efficient than some of the other solutions in the market. For companies with perhaps a lower IT maturity, um, it is definitely more education. Education into security in general and why cybersecurity starts with um uh, uh security awareness training um, and then we can kind of build up a conversation there
0: now do you guys also use this internally for your own team
2: we do we do we've reached we have re- recently launched curricula internally um and I think um uh, that is a good testament to the the product and to uh, the value of the curricula because we want our team to uh, uh, know the product in and out we want to our team to have the best understanding as to what that experience might look like as an end user so yes we are an active customer of curricula
0: that is fascinating to me and i don't i, I don't say that in a in a i I understand the we should know the product inside and out do do you sometimes worry that some of like your higher higher tier or higher level support guys are going to feel like this is beneath me or something like that like um yes
2: absolutely i'd be lying if i didn't say that for our senior engineers were more knowledgeable on on security cybersecurity that um folks on our sales team or on our marketing teams. But what's important is that we are setting a benchmark of education to the country. And importantly, we are able to demonstrate um to auditors and other folks that, you know, our employee base has completed level one, two, three, whatever it might look like, um, together. So there might be grumblings, but that's only natural when you're rolling out any product and uh, something that our people team do a very good job of. Or get
0: now, with you guys, do you guys push this out to all end users, all customers?
2: We do not. At this point, we did not make it a mandatory inclusion into our packages, Steve. or We are. Uh, as part of the early stages of our partnerships, treating this as a uh, add-on inclusion to uh, the electric core package. Um, it's a really great question because we're constantly evaluating the pricing and packaging of solutions. Uh, it's no surprise to anyone that security is a very take point, the number one buying um, kind of decision for our customers, Steve. So we may in the future make this a mandatory inclusion of some of our packages, but at this point it is um, an add-on that we recommend that we can uh, resell or refer, that we can um, deploy and manage on behalf of our customers.
0: Um, in the future, do you believe that you would ever make it to where not only is it a mandatory inclusion into the package but maybe even something in your contract that maybe states uh you know everybody in your team has to go through everything and maintain and i i haven't seen what the curriculum looks like yet so you know everyone needs to pass everything every month or otherwise you get uh Fee for not being as secure or something like that? Like, have have you thought that far ahead?
2: Well, unfortunately, we have not, Steve, and I think that might be a fairly tough conversation to have with our customers. I, I certainly, uh, and I'm understanding of the need for liability waivers and the need for, um, uh, you know, um, more mandatory elements of a uh, customers' IT infrastructure, um, that might change with security awareness training as this landscape changes. We know that a lot of uh, customers who have compliancy requirements actually need this as an as an element of their SOC type 2, their oh, sure, yeah. whatever it might be. So if there is a customer that has got perhaps a compliancy framework, that might become a mandatory element. But Um, there would need to be a lot of uh, discussions with our sales and marketing folk to come to an agreement because electric is, is on a mission to make things as easy as possible for our customers and introducing something is not as complex as this, but introducing another layer to our offering um, might make that uh, relationship with customers
3: just a little bit harder.
0: I understand that. And, and I, I guess I just want to clarify I'm not saying that anything is set in stone or definitely going to happen or not, but I just worry that with all of these incidents that have happened, and let's be honest, they're going to continue to happen. And similar to how uh, technology continues to get better, I think the incidences, in- incidents, in- incidences, I think those will also increase at that same rate that we can expect uh, technology to improve, right? Mm -hmm. So at some point we may have regulation Mm -hmm. and at some point, you know, insurance is going to stop covering things. Mm -hmm. So with the MSP, you know, electric in this scenario, becoming more and more responsible or or more and more liable, for some of this stuff, um, you 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 can't help but think maybe you need to maybe you need to put some things in the contract that that say, hey, look, you know we're we are liable for certain things, so we need you to be responsible for certain things as well, mm. or else maybe maybe we just can't be your your IT guy anymore.
2: Yeah, it's a great consideration, and I think if you've ever heard. Nick or any other um, expert in the cyber security field discuss um, you know the causes of incidents. More often than not, it's human error, or it's it's people doing something they shouldn't be doing, or not having the right knowledge or resources to um, you know perform a particular task or action. So you know, I think mitigating that with cyber security awareness training um, will. Lead to reduction incidents. I think it's a really fair point, Steve, and I I certainly would be interested in in, uh, exploring what the future of that discussion might look like because uh, it could be that could be the reality of what MSPs like Electric have to do in the future.
0: Some people are are sending me private messages that they can barely hear me, so I'm just gonna push some buttons here and see if this gets any better are you guys able to hear me all right yeah okay do i does it feel like i'm the same volume as the other guy
1: you have a soothing tone so maybe that's what they're you're too relaxing to listen to
0: (laughs) oh well well thank you i i think um all right so I, I do see a question here. Uh, Shiva wants to know, from Andrew, what's the main benefit Curricula has presented to your company as a user? And I, I believe he means as a user of Curricula as a partner.
2: Sure. It's a great question, Shiva. And when we look at um, evaluation of partners, amongst many other criterias, is ease of management. If we are scaling up a partner like Curricular or any other partner, we want to make it as easy as possible for all of the folks on our end to be managing um, a particular software. So the kind of um, centrally managed administration portal that, that Nick might be able to pop up in a second um, is very intuitive, very easy to manage very easy to onboard people very easy to make changes <laughs> both through policy and to the individual cost So um, as a as a partner and as a um, user of the uh, software ease of management is is uh, absolutely one of the biggest benefits and comparing curricula in the evaluation to some of the more established players it was, Night and day, and I'm not kind of exaggerating that really was night and day in terms of um, the experience as an administrator for
3: the company's scale. Got it. Okay. Um, MSPs
0: have only had like, you know, the same what three or four security awareness training options to offer their end users for a while now. So, I. Uh, Curricula is saying that it's fun. Do Do you really? Is does the fun really matter? Like, is the what? Why does the fun matter? Might be a better question.
3: Yeah, you want me to take that one? (laughs) Yeah, sorry. (laughs)
0: So,
1: if you think of kind of when you hear the word training, right, first thing comes to your head. I hate this every employee hates training because it's kind of one of those waste of times that just gets in our way. And when it comes to security training, it's one of the worst things in the world because we're all used to it, right? When employees start to resent the things you're giving them, then they're going to start to resent all of these good security practices that you're putting on just because you're there, because you're the one that forced them Mm -hmm. to do this training. In the long run, and this is why I call ourselves kind of more geared towards changing culture, changing behaviors when no one's looking, is because you want to change behaviors when no one's looking. Who cares what they do inside of our platform? We're looking at them with a microscope. Like It's pretty easy to be good and click things and do things, but it's more of, well, when the IT person's sleeping at night and when employees are working on their laptops and they're receiving weird stuff, they should have good conscious behaviors because they understand what's happening. Not because the death by PowerPoint of 73 slides told them to answer a bunch of quizzes a certain way, kind of irrelevant. Um, So the reason why we chose to go a more fun approach is because we resonate really well with the employees. And if the employees buy into this idea and concept and they can relate to what we're talking about in a consumable way, well, then, They're going to use these narratives that we provide in their everyday lives, both at work and at home. And if you do that right and you build a long-term culture change, a lot of the things that we see that are good to us and good to our customers are the things that happen outside of curriculum software. It's the, it's the Slack channels being generated about Dee, Dee and her hacker friends and, and employees talking about it and putting up stickers all over the offices and stuff. And just hearing these stories come back to us shows that what we're doing and what the actual product does is applying a long-term behavior and cultural change in the organization for the better. And we all know, I mean, we do a lot of data science and conversations with the actuarial scientists and, and our insurance providers, like they're in the business of managing risk right? They're experts at that. And they want to make sure we can do everything humanly possible to minimize risk. So that way they can have less claims, so they can pay out less money, so they can make more money. So we're a small part of that equation, but it's well understood that risk management uh, plays a role with security awareness. Security awareness plays a role in risk management. And if we do this more than just checking the box for compliance and whatever the regulators told us, uh, we can move our whole community in a better direction. But not easy to do, and uh, there's going to need to be more curriculums, I would say, in the
3: future. All right, Andrew, I've got
0: a couple more questions about how you—not you per se necessarily, but how how electric kind of operates. So um,
3: when when it comes to you guys,
0: um. Picking a vendor and then saying, "All right, let's let's do this. Let's put this into uh, into use with our clients. We've we've signed the contract. Now we're going to deploy it." How on earth do you guys begin to do that? Because you know, at thirty to forty thousand end users, I mean, that's that's a lot. And and I assume that the you know I think it said forty thousand is that across those 500 partners or 500 companies that you support so that's a lot of conversations to be had that's either a lot of um engineer hours or preferably a lot of automation and scripting that needs to be put together that's also probably i mean maybe not for curricula per se but For some of these tools you use, there's probably got to be a lot of testing to make sure that they're going to play nicely with all the other software and tools that you've got in play at some of these customers. How do you guys figure out what to do and how to do it?
2: It, With great difficulty, Steve. And uh, I'm going to take a quick step back for a second because I cannot emphasize how much um, time and it's to the evaluation of new vendors as pilot evaluation, one of the, the big criteria is level of effort. Um, we spend a lot of time chatting to curricular team about you know integrations, APIs, all the fun stuff that that you know we've talked about today. Mm. And that is a one of the single most uh defining kind of factors in our decision-making process. Once we've made that decision, um, we have a pretty good idea now and we've done a lot of testing with other partners over the last two years, uh, what the implications are on different teams and importantly, the roles and responsibilities across different teams. When we think about new partners and rolling out new new vendors like curricula, some of the teams that we would engage with are um, service desk who might be required to troubleshoot, um, you know, do general status administration, uh, network operations who are responsible for monitoring and managing um, systems and tools. There is um, professional services who are responsible for rolling out these tools. There is Account management or customer success management that is responsible for pitching and presenting these tools. Um, there is product engineering that are responsible for um, looking at integrations and and looking at, as you mentioned, ways to automate the deployment or automate the management of these solutions. So there's a lot. Fortunately, we have um, you know developed a somewhat of a toolkit or a a roadmap that enables us to, um, you know, uh, as efficiently as possible, explore what all of those team um, impacts are going to be, and put a plan in place to um, train, to test, train, run betas you know, before we do official launch and before we are um going to market with marketing tea but other department which I haven't gotten into, which of course is responsible for communicating solutions to the customers. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um and uh, I'd be lying if it's if I said that it was easy because it's not. Um, but fortunately um you know the partners uh our partners have been very forthcoming with offering their assistance and help with best practices across all facets of um, the rollout plan. And Curricula certainly um, has been a very engaged and very uh, collaborative partner on that front. So there is a robust pro- project plan that we undertake. It takes months and we have a ramp, ramp time um, for any of our partners that that would suggest that really we're only up up and running or firing on all cylinders after 12 months of having a partnership in place, because all of those various departments, um, you know, have their role very well established, um, and um, it becomes uh, more seamless to to
3: to roll out, sell, manage, um, support uh, at scale.
0: and then let's let's dive a little deeper so how do you how do you decide you you guys standardize like everything right so so when you have all of these choices and maybe it's not something that is as easy to choose like you know let's let's say that you know security awareness training there's only one that's fun right so that one seems like an easier choice. But if you look at something like uh, endpoint management, when, it's, when it comes to like uh, uh, security, how, how do you guys decide what tool or tools to standardize on?
3: Um,
2: I think I've spoken about it a couple of times in this conversation, Steve, the evaluation of, of any Software or vendor has many eyes, many departments, and is extensive. So, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different criteria that goes into that. Uh, and it's, a, it's something like endpoint endpoint protection, a really important one because obviously we expect every customer in our in our portfolio to be um, to have a solution like that, endpoint protection across the, the entire fleet. So. Uh, you know, once again, the the evaluation of a network protection solution would be would be different to a a security awareness training provider, but there is a lot that goes into it to ensure that we're making the right decision, both in the short and long term for standardisation. There is also um, flexibility that we should have for our customers. I'd be lying if I said that we have customers that know before. Um, we have got customers that know before. We offer an extent of management for No Before. Um, we do not and will not likely ever in the future play a um a as hands-on a role as we would with a software like curricula because it's our preferred solution. It's a loop it's a solution that we recommend and want our customers to use because of the efficiencies that they will gain through um that software, and because of the um, what we hope, some of the value that we can pass off to the customer um, by choosing our first
3: solution.
0: Does that answer your question, Steve? It does, yes. And when it when it comes to picking these, are, are you are you picking your tools when you evaluate them? Um, do you ever have customers? As kind of test sites, or do you do everything internally with, um, you know, just just your own systems or even test systems?
2: Yes. Well, we are a product-led company, as I mentioned, started this call, and I do again sit in the product team a lot. And the reason why I'm saying that is there's a lot of conversations that we're having with customers across all. Um, segments and persona types to get an understanding as to what their needs are and, and what they would be interested in terms of specific solutions because we have very knowledgeable and very educated customers who have um, experience that we also want to um, tap into so there is a lot of feedback that we are gathering at all stages of the life cycle with our customers and um, there is uh, absolutely um, uh, testing that would take place, generally starting internally at Electric and then um, moving into a beta group of, of customers. Um, we have very uh, uh, supportive companies that want to be the first to to try everything and want to be the first to roll something out. So we would generally lean on that beta group before we consider broader, broader, broader release. Um, but there is um, at all stages you know a lot of feedback that we're soliciting from from our customers, Steve
0: And here's a fun question for you. How much of vendor selection is based on margin or profit?
2: Depends on who you're speaking to. my CFO might give you a very different uh, response to that question than my Uh, VP of product, um, it's an important consideration. Revenue and potential revenue is absolutely something that we need to look at because ultimately um, there's bottom-line considerations. And importantly, um, we need to feel comfortable that this is a solution that we're not going to be losing money because we know that the license cost is only a very small fraction of the cost that it takes to manage and uh, and support a, a product. So um, it's, it is a very important consideration, Shiva. Um, in fact, if we don't feel the unit economics are going to work and that we would not be able to make a, a solution profitable, we would either need to negotiate or explore other vendors in the market. I think some of the other points that we'd look at, um, and I mentioned a couple of times, level of effort, ease of management, very important consideration, right up there with with unit um, you know, economics when it comes to evaluating a a new vendor. Um, importantly, one of the um look the very mission of Electric is to uh leverage solutions like curricula um through broader. Uh-huh. Integrations with electric, which I'm confident will be on the horizon in our partnership with Curricula. Um, so we would uh, looking at what are the product I and mean, what are the product opportunities for us to be able to um, improve stickiness of our own software and our own product um, through our partners would probably be the third consideration that we look at when we when we think about evaluation.
0: No. Nick, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Nick, when it comes to your MSP partners, um, I suspect that you're going to have fewer partners that are the size of electric. So right now, they are, are probably getting some premium support, um, but that's also because they're helping you shape the MSP partner program. I suspect, correct? A little bit. Yeah,
1: there's uh, clearly different sizes and scales of every partner, but we're kind of listening to all of them, right? I think in the long run, we want to be able to help everyone, but uh, we're a small business too, just like every MSP out there. So uh, with limited resources, we're making sure that what we're working on and what we're building and how we're thinking about this makes sense for the majority. Um, And then, you know, our ultimate goal and core value is always about being fun and being simple. So if the product can do that and MSPs can
3: kind of self-serve their way through this, then uh, I think we all win. And
0: so will smaller MSPs be able to expect the same level of hands-on support from the support team at Curricula?
1: We're probably asking them too many questions. (laughs) Maybe they're, we're getting them more involved than they want to be because we're trying to find stuff out right now. Um, we've been got it. We've been running curricula for about six and a half years, a lot on the direct side to learn from how do people actually need to uh, self serve into this product? And we rolled out our channel partner program and channel dashboard just a few months ago. And although they're using the similar product and delivering the same product to the end user account. Um, there's a lot of wants and needs along the way, so those are clearly different. Uh, we will never know those wants and needs until we talk to people. So, yes, we have gotten a lot of uh, good conversations. involved from size of electric, bigger than electric, way smaller than electric,
0: and all of it helps. Very good. All right. Um, can you talk about like what the bigger problems are with security awareness training? So. You
1: know, the way we looked at this was, uh, yes, you mentioned there's there's stuff out there, right? Stuff out there, it works. It should work functionally, right? You're buying a thing that should do things and you're paying a price and you're passing that uh, either down as an add-on or part of your core package. And uh, that's all good, right? But I think as we're moving forward into a future where uh, there are many more choices to be made, hackers are getting a much easier time to destroy end users in the long run, Uh, we got to think of a better way to manage risk. And if we're looking at the data, and like I said, like we look at the data of how this stuff is happening um, from the latest insurance claims report from coalition, about half of all claims made are because of a social engineering or human risk event. So if that's the data that we're looking at and people are putting in the, the vendors that we've already mentioned, it's like, well, then it's not, they're not all treated the same right? And we have to make better choices on how we get people more involved and how we get employees to actually be able to help us get more involved. So as a MSP, if I'm, you know, making those choices and do I want to spend my time adding new customers and, uh, and managing kind of my business, or do I want to spend time cleaning up mistakes? Clearly it's the former, right? So if we know that and we agree on that, Let's all work towards making better choices of finding the right products, uh, not only with Curricula, but with other tools and services to help reduce
0: our risk and cleanup time. Man, Shiva is fire with these questions. Now he wants to know how much priority and resources are given to the DevSecOps team over at Curricula. Do you guys have DevSecOps? I think that would be a great starting point.
1: Yeah. It's kind of fun. Um, I pride ourselves on having a pretty small engineering team that runs this organization. Uh, we use a serverless compute environment with the AWS Lambda infrastructure. So a lot of our resource <laughs> constraints are actually on a very modern version of what we're uh, used to. Old IT, where you have to kind of chase down patches and things that are just kind of not in existence in our infrastructure. Um, we're a security company by nature. So my background is in security. Uh, we embrace this from day one. Uh, A lot of our customers are not small businesses. They are the nation's critical infrastructure, and they rely on us to have a sane environment and secure environment in order to provide services to them. Um, One of the other big initiatives that we're working on is, uh, you know, Andrew mentioned it before, SOC 2 is becoming a thing, right? And (laughs) uh, wasn't a thing. Uh, A couple of years ago, it was only really geared for the series C and above and larger uh, SaaS companies. Well, now we're seeing customers coming from all over the place, with four or five employees that are going through SOC 2. Why is that? Well, there's a lot of SOC 2 vendors out there trying to push down the startups and educate them, which I think is a really good thing, right? It's it's getting security started a lot earlier in organizations and baking security in from day one in every employee's head that joins that organization. So I don't look at DevSecOps the same way that we kind
3: of traditionally look at it. Um, it's kind of part of all of us. Playing a role because we are a security awareness company. So
0: there's not necessarily like a person or a team that's doing DevSecOps then?
1: We don't have a team. We have four engineers. Okay. Yeah. But like I said, the answer to that question is basically all of
3: our engineers come in with a security conscious point of view and are not just developers. Got it. Okay. Good. Um, What are
0: you guys offering today for MSPs?
1: So for the MSPs, we basically have a dashboard that allows them to come in on, I would say we offer three programs, but for MSPs specifically, it's two. One is a referral program, traditional. You go into the dashboard, you can refer out customers, and then you get paid a recurring commission on that referral. And then the more traditional managed service account, where you can go in, sign up for an account, uh, manage sub accounts for your, your clients, add them into the platform, and then um, be able to move them around just like you would with any of your other uh, single plane to play- to class tools. Inside of that account, you can do a bunch of things. So, uh, which is all public on our website. Uh, inside of those accounts, you can set up training, like we talked about before. We have a whole library of episodes, uh, which is basically our version of training content. So you can build assignments of training content, bundle those assignments any way you want. You can also add on uh, PCI training as as an add-on and some of the other compliance frameworks. On top of that, each one of those episodes comes with digital signage and security awareness posters. So they're all directly relating to each episode. And back to the whole, how do we drive engagement? How do we get employees pumped up about this stuff? Well, we kind of treat this as a marketing campaign. And every time you launch episodes or content, there's uh heroes and villains and stories within that content that we try to bring to life. And the more we can bring that to life proactively, it's almost like when employees run into each other, uh, either on Zoom meetings or in the hallway, and they start talking about their favorite TV shows. Hey, did you watch the last uh, you know, episode of Game of Thrones, which was let down? <laughs> it's like, no, I didn't. It's like, well, now you can't be in that conversation. So what we do with security awareness training kind of follows that mindset of, almost a psychological emotional trigger to get employees to kind of feel like they're not missing out on something. Um, but it's almost like a candy coating your vegetables where they're actually getting some good information out of watching these.
0: Um, so is that what I'm doing wrong? I need to put candy on my vegetables, dip them in uh, some sugar coating and yeah, what I've experienced
1: <sighs> um, from there. They'll also get access to all of the, uh, phishing simulation platform. So this basically allows you to use DV in real life. Uh, DV is our uh, AI anti-hero villain hacker. She's the little uh, girl that runs our phishing simulator. So she's your partner in crime. And when you send out phishing tests from our platform, um is Dee kind of alongside with you. And she says, hey, I'm going to let you know when I snag someone in this campaign. And she lets you know. Uh, she's also part of our reporting service, so when an employee does spot Deedee Dee or one of her hacker friends, they can report it, uh, and then Deedee Dee will actually let them know, you got me, nice job. So then from there, uh, one of the other things that are that's kind of cool inside of Curricula is uh, during the pandemic and everything in between, a lot of what we're doing and building these episodes is great, but uh, everyone wants to make their own content. How do I make my own content on something very specific to my organization or one of my organizations that I manage or a group of organizations? So Curricula actually has a built-in content authoring tool that allows you to tell your own training stories inside the software add quizzes, uh, upload your own videos, uh, imagery. You can pick from our library of characters and really, really well-designed content assets put those things together, save it, and then bundle it up as part of a training assignment inside the same uh, umbrella here. So it's kind of a full compass learning platform that is a way to communicate to all of your accounts on how you do things and how you should be more secure um, and all that can be set up in in
0: just a few minutes. Man, this thing has a ton of features. And uh, the, the more features that you... That you tell us about all i hear are like more and more dollar signs so i I mean how is this going to be expensive for msps
1: so it's uh we're pretty transparent on everything we do including pricing and features so everything's on our website curricula.com slash pricing you can see the two plans it's professional and enterprise uh for msps you can go monthly so mrr uh basically $2 a month for professional, $3 a month for enterprise per employee. And with those, you can clearly see what comes with what. Um, As you scale as an MSP, you also get discounts on the margin. So starting at 20% for the base pricing, as you add more licenses into the platform and you're managing more sub accounts, then your discounts increase across all of your different licenses.
0: So, for the MSP that maybe is super small, uh, one person, maybe just managing on, you know, a dozen or so endpoints because they're getting started or COVID wiped out all their clients, whatever the reason, right? Um, those guys hate minimums, they hate contracts. Uh, how does this work when that MSP wants to sign up? Yeah. Just go
1: to the, the site on the screen there, sign up. Uh They'll spin you up a little agreement. It's month to month. So if you decide it's not for you, then you can just bail out after the first month. Uh The minimums, I, I won't quote me, but I think it's three employees is the minimum. It could be one, but I'll have to check on, on what the latest update was, but we kind of recognize that as like, people just want to start somewhere. Um there's no revenue minimums or anything you just get going on a
0: la carte basis. And that's really cool because let me be honest when I look at the pricing page um the the smallest number of employees that you have on this pricing page is 25. So I just assumed 25 was the minimum.
1: Yep. Uh it is uh, it's probably an update we should make cuz that's for our direct sales. So through MSPs, you actually have uh, more flexibility on how you manage your own pricing and uh, user limits.
0: That is really great, man. Um, So what I'm hearing is everybody should at least sign up for a single user to see if this thing is good, good enough, good for you, good for your clients, whatever whatever you want to assess. Now, um, let's talk about success because we we just talked we just you know that word came up so now we have to right um how do we know curricula is actually going to do something for us like okay great all of my end users watch the videos they think dd's Dee adorable how do we know it works yeah and that can be for either of you a lecture, have you guys seen anything like um um in the last, I mean, I know you've only been using it with your end users for maybe a few months, but have you guys been able to see any usable metrics when you look at like your ticket types and subtypes and all that?
2: It's a great question. And I wouldn't be able to off the top of my head provide any, you know, accurate data This, mm-hmm. but I think that again, going back to the, the portal or the dashboard, everything is, everything is very easy to um, access in terms of this is what happened in month one let's run the same campaign let's run a phishing test in month si- month six and see what what the impact is see how much the the or, or the uh, the modules or curricula have in fact um, improved uh, end users um, uh, response to various campaigns so, to your, to your point, we're still early days. I'm confident that if, we, if you ask me the question in 12 months, we'd have a lot of juicy data to be able to report back
0: on. Well, pencil me in. Um, all right. So, Nick, how about you? From your end, have you been able to to come up with any type of real data? Like, do you have some, like, charts and graphs and anything like that where you can say, you know, this company... Uh, where these groups of companies, they all had these security issues. And now that they've been using curricula for X months and they've been going through the campaigns, uh, they've had a drop in 76% of security issues or or something like that.
1: Yeah, like all that data is all available with every vendor. I think like they all have charts and buttons and things that are pretty easy to look at um phishing tests are cool right they tell you numbers it tells you things who clicks on what we all have that the difference is is what we're focused on is that everything that happens outside of our platform so the real stuff and when i when i talk about security culture i do this at security conferences all the time is how do we measure security culture it's not inside of any of our pieces of software here it's outside of the software and the best way that i can kind of um present how that could be done is talk to hr teams about how they measure culture right it's not a number that spits out of a dashboard it's an actual conversation and it's a lot of contextual behaviors and a lot of um you know kind of insights on how your employees interact with each other when curricula is implemented at a company uh before we implement we ask a little bit about what they're currently doing and you typically just see the i hate everything to do with security where trading. My employees want to kill me because every time I have to give it to them, they get super mad because I'm wasting their time. And the list goes on, right? After they mm-hmm. use our product, the, the things that we like to hear and see when we know we're making a bigger impact than just numbers on a dashboard is when people literally talk about man, Dee, Dee, that little piece of garbage just got me into the third phishing test. And like, I hate this. Like, and you start seeing emotion come out of employees on something that's literally made up. It's a cartoon inside of a screen. And because of that, it's made such an impact at a lot of these organizations where they'll sponsor Lunch and Learns based off our characters and stories. They set up the Slack channels. They have icons with all of our little characters dancing. And employees are kind of self-creating this world and kind of the support around this product and the content within it um, that literally changes the culture of a company. Um, That is what I'm actually more excited and concerned in trying to focus our entire team on educating everyone on Um, the buttons and the numbers and the bells and whistles. We all have that stuff. Uh, I I think that's the easy part. It's more of let's move beyond the numbers inside the screen.
0: So, I I think I'm I'm a little confused and I'm I'm going to put my AOL hat on right now. Mm-hmm. So you you either do have numbers that you say aren't important because every security awareness training company has similar numbers that may or may not be fictional. Um or you didn't actually bother putting together the numbers because you don't think they're important. Because you're actually seeing more important things happening with the culture within your clients. Because, because when you see them getting, you know, ticked off because, you know, they, they're not able to beat Dee Dee's test or, or whatever else, um, now it seems like th- they've got the emotion in it, and now they actually are going to try. And by simply trying to succeed at uh, whatever tests and uh, simulations and everything else that you guys throw at them with Didi Dee Dee and all your other characters, um, they're, they're learning through osmosis just because they're trying to win the game. And now this is going to make them better at security awareness overall.
1: Yeah. So if you, if you want raw numbers, I mean, typically if a company's never done security awareness training, it's about a 40% click rate on a scenario that we send out. And then from mm-hmm. if they've never done anything, uh, a lot of companies that we target are ones that are a little more mature that they've done something, use one of the product that we've talked about. And now they're looking to make that, that impact because they can't keep the attention of employees to help them with security decisions. So because of that. We'll do these phishing tests and you'll see numbers kind of go down, and that you're supposed to have numbers on the screen. You don't want a 0% click rate on every single thing because the point of phishing simulations and training is to train, it's to educate, it's to put people to the test. Uh, no different than flight simulators for pilots. Like they continue to learn and evolve. With those numbers, uh, it all depends on the maturity of the organization. Uh, we had a large utility that you would uh, you know, expect our, you know, an older demographic ones that don't care about this stuff. Well, they have been using the products and we've talked about for years and they've had numbers and they, and the reason I talk about that the dashboards and numbers don't really matter is because people will still make mistakes because they're not engaged. They're not motivated to help their security teams. And that company, which we're writing a, a case study on, um, is a utility with a, an older workforce that has completely flipped the script on how they're treating phishing simulations and training. And now they're getting uh, employees actually reaching out to them proactively about some of the stuff that they've never heard from them before. Like, whoa, Michael sent me an email talking about phishing. Like, this is crazy. I thought that guy hated us. Like, no, they, they hated the things you were doing to them. So that's why I guess I keep going back to like, yes, there's numbers and there's data and insurance reports and all kinds of cool things you can look at. And yes, it does make the numbers better. But ultimately, if you want to have a sustainable future and a sustainable security culture, a lot of things that we're doing are driving towards that. Ultimately, yes, they will help out with numbers, too.
0: I got to say, I love it, man. Can, can you show us curricula? I can. Okay, because um, what, I'm, what I'm especially interested in is, let's say we sign up to be a partner. Um, how quickly, while, while you pull all this up, how quickly does it take for us to like be a partner?
1: Uh, five minutes, they sign up, uh, someone will reach out, say, are you, you know, you're real. And then you, they'll okay. literally send you an in-app agreement and then you just hit the button and get going.
0: That's awesome. And then now that we're a partner, um, how easily is it for us to deploy curricula either to ourselves or to a first customer
1: a couple minutes uh, basically hit new customer type in their name type in the number of licenses in the plan and then add them in manually upload them to csv sync it to after or microsoft or whatever tools you use and you should be up and running in a few minutes and our team basically helps guide your training wheels that whole time to make sure you got a template and a repeatability
0: i i want to give you a a couple of Product names. That way, maybe you can work some kind of partnership out with them. These are, um, what do they call themselves? End user experience managers or something along those lines. Uh, One is called Cloud Radial, R A D I A L. And the other one is called Invarosoft, I N V A R O, soft. Um, both of those tools will do something similar. They'll they'll integrate with you know 365 and, and a few other things, and they'll integrate with the PSA. Uh, the um, I don't you work with Connectwise or Anotask or any of those right now? Not yet. Okay. Um. So those will will integrate to the PSA. I'm wondering if there's an opportunity here to where you can interface directly with you know the. And Softs and curriculas and, or, and cloud radials, and um, build something out to where MSPs and their clients have still a single portal to where they can kind of access all their stuff.
1: Yeah, there's um, a lot of this is going on. I, I think I mentioned before some of these SOC 2 compliance vendors um, that are mm-hmm. basically working with software organizations. We're also. Uh, going through this as well with a, a company called Drada. And Drada just raised, uh, I think it was like a 25 million Series A, um, all focused on this stuff. So a lot of where our first phases of these integrations are is helping people turn on compliance and turn on security with ease. Uh, we've done this with Coalition very well, the cybersecurity insurance company that we talk about. We integrate directly with them so that you hit a button, it turns on an account with us, activates everything and does all this automation. Now it's just finding like the the ones you just mentioned and uh, creating more
3: automation for the tools people already use.
0: All right. Well, I am ready for the uh, the thing. Are we ready for me to pop it on?
1: I think so. Do I have to share it, or you're sharing it? We'd share it. Here we go. So this is the the channel partner dashboard. So this is where I kind of land in to manage my account as a MSP. So uh, this is after that, you know, sign up from the website on the curriculum.com slash pluggers. You'll get someone to confirm who you are, you do an in-app agreement, and then you're off to the races and they'll help you set up your accounts and manage them from there. Um, if I go into my accounts, this is kind of where I have my dashboard and you'll see a couple things here. Uh, first is my sandbox account. So everyone gets started with a sandbox account. You can go in and you get a demo of this, just signing up uh, with us uh, before you actually do any of those agreements. Um, in the sandbox, it gets, lets you live and play and learn and and figure out uh, if you like curricula. So the sandbox <laughs> is pretty cool because it's a kind of an internal use-only testing environment that allows you to keep forever. So that way you're not doing anything on a uh, customer account. And you don't need to make a secondary test account. Then you have your accounts. So these are the ones you're managing. Uh, at a simple glance, this just kind of lists them all out if they're active.
3: Uh, it'll tell you the number of licenses they have and when you make them. And then I'll go jump into one. So inside the account, I'm kind of subbed in now to that account. So I'm actually managing
1: this on behalf of them. And there's a lot of configuration things you can kind of do. You can add more admins inside of it for your sub account. Um, so if you you know have an organization that might want to see the platform or manage the platform themselves and you might manage it with them. There's a lot of flexibility inside of the tool to do that. Uh, Lots of different settings and stuff that you can do across the tool too. Uh, From phishing to assignments, you can create departments, you can, you know, tags that that are all these different relationships that allow you to make reports even better than just employees. Uh, But again, this is all kind of stuff that once you get in, you can always do later on. But the place to start is on learners. So learners are basically what we call employees or what some organizations call users. And learners pretty easy to do. So you're basically paying for a certain amount of licenses on each one of your sub-accounts that you're managing. Um, a license basically means that is the employee active and can the employee take training or phishing at any given time? Uh, that's what active means. At any point, I can go in and deactivate an account. And what that does is turns the account off It lets it kind of be there for compliance and historical purposes, but it opens up a license on my account again to apply to someone else inside that organization. Getting learners in, pretty easy. I can manually just create a learner, type in their name if I want to one-off it for a small MSP. I can import it from a CSV or like I talked about before, I can go into my group and then actually sync up to an Opta instance, a Microsoft 365, a OneLogin, I mean, you name it, uh, LDAP, whatever it is, that'll automatically manage my uh, import and sync settings on my behalf. Once I get my employees for my uh, customers inside of this account, now it's all about setting up that assignment of content. So inside of the assignment of content, Uh, There's all different ways that you can do this. The traditional ways we see this happen is there's a compliance training of some sort, like a PCI or something very nitty-gritty. There's a new employee onboarding. Maybe you want everyone to go through a certain type of content. And then you have your general security awareness, which we traditionally see companies launch this out to keep a monthly cadence of new episodes releasing throughout the year. I'll hop into an assignment just to kind of show you what this looks like. But assignments are really flexible. Uh, Think of these like giving assignments to little kids, except for little kids, they're adults that work at your customer account. And in here, I can pick all the different topics and episodes that I want to give out to those employees and then bundle them all up in a neat little package, which we call an assignment. So this assignment is our security awareness program. It covers all of uh, ransomware, phishing, business email compromise, and Work safety, which is one that I custom created on this account. What's nice about this is this is kind of your snapshot view of a report. So I can export this to a PDF. I can send this out to my customers and have a conversation about it, saying, hey, look, we're seeing some really good participation about your employees getting engaged with curricula, or maybe we're having some of your employees struggle on some of these tough topics that I want them to know. Uh, This is something that's really good to bring to your customers because it lets them know that you're aware that they need to be aware that they have some risks that you're trying to solve for them. Um, It's a great conversation starter too. And then here's your compliance section. So uh, for every assignment, let's say, uh, Andrew, we talked about this before, I gotta do compliance for an audit. Uh, This is your audit button. If if one of your customers is getting audited, you hit this button, it gives you a whole giant CSV with uh, very compliance friendly uh, columns and rows that you can manipulate, the auditor can look at um, down the road. This also shows you every bit of activity for every learner of all the episodes they've taken um, with a date time stamp uh, located for that specific piece of training. And that can all be exported.
0: Can I click on all of those different headings to sort? Uh, Yes. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. All right, so, What about for the MSP that says, I need to get security awareness training for my clients. Now I have it. Now what? Like, how can can you walk an MSP through, like, here's how to set up your first client if you have absolutely no idea what you're doing when it comes to deploying this? Because, you know, it, it might be that we... We think, oh, they need every single one of these courses. And, and now we've just inundated with a client with like nine hours of stuff to do and they're going to hate us for it. So how, how do we use this correctly? Yep. Um, that is normal. That is
1: expected. And that is exactly why we have a team of advisors that actually does this for you to get your template going. Um, the reason that it's not, uh, it's not the same for everyone. What Electric is doing is dramatically different than what some of our smaller MSPs are doing than what some of the other MSPs are doing. So, because of that, we will actually walk you through just kind of like what I'm doing here, like import your learners. What does your client base look like? Do they mostly use Microsoft 365? Do they sync to Okta? I want to show you all these things. So that way, you have a, li- a little bit of knowledge of where they are in the app. Um, but more importantly, it's there to kind of be those training wheels. Like, we're going to actually help you build this template so you can do this in a few minutes for every customer on board. And hey, if you run into some trouble, we're going to put those training wheels back on and help you out at any time. So it's kind of expected that no one knows where to start here. Uh, That is why we're here to be the uh, extension of your MSP to be experts on this subject. I like that.
0: Now, um I see that there's a separate section or page up on the very top it says fishing.
3: What is in that? Uh
1: hopefully not a Next monster, year. but it is eh. it is uh a little monster that you'll get to know Dee, Dee, that we talked about. So, you know, once you've you've built your training assignment, um we think that that comes first because a lot of organizations, just like you mentioned, they they believe that they want to go in and just hammer employees with phishing emails out of the gate. That's good to get a baseline sometimes, like I talked about the 40%, um, but mm-hmm. training comes first. Uh, like That would be like going to school and then you get the final exam on day one. It's like, well, I didn't learn about any of these topics yet. So what we've built this library for is to kind of guide each MSP into designing kind of a plan, a training program to each one of their sub accounts and customers and then utilize phishing as part of that rotation so i will hop in here but the the other thing i wanted to mention inside of this uh content tool before we hop over to phishing is that each episode can actually be customized with passing scores in here that you can define for every episode and this can be defaulted so you don't need to touch any of this stuff it automatically just works out of the box Um, but you could also put your own custom policies and contact info in for each topical area. So maybe there's a different conversation with physical security as it relates to one of those sub-accounts as it is with phishing, as it is to
3: social engineering. You know, you can customize those ads as you will.
0: Very nice. So, and the reason I asked about the phishing section is because um, I guess the first question is, would this be where I can just send out a random phishing test so I can see where all of the end users are at? And then the second follow-up question would be, am I able to use this maybe for a prospect? So I can say to them, hey, you know, uh, you're already my client, so I sent every one of your employees a test phishing email, and I see 73% of them all clicked on it and, and gave me all of this information. So um, I think now's a good time for us to talk about security awareness training. Don't you agree?
1: It's a, it's a really good question. I think every MSP is different on that front. Um, some of them just turned it on. Like you're getting this whether you like it or not because we know how important it is. Um, we actually had an MSP that uh, did that, exactly what you said, sent it out, caught the CEO and several others in the organization and then, nice. This, and you would think happy ending the CEO is like, well, who cares? <laughs> and then the MSP is like, what do you mean? You just got, you just fell for this. And they's like, well, who cares? I, you know, I, I don't care. Like, this is just you that sent it. So I think the gap on some of the smaller MSPs is, is getting into this uh, moment of cyber splaining what's happening inside of this tool. And what services they're actually providing with this tool and not just the numbers and the clicks on the screen, but Hey, if this happened in real life, we simulated this, if this was real, I would have had to done this, 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 I would have had to charge you this, 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 you would have lost customer this, 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 you had to pay insurance, this, this, this. Now that becomes a more real story than just saying, Hey, we're a bunch of clicks on the screen. Um, but yeah, they actually didn't buy it. <laughs> so uh, we kind of advise at least against that for some of the smaller, and that's where I think a, there's a lot of flexibility here with electric set. They're doing this as an add on. Um, they also have a little bit of a, a more mature workforce, I think, and sales and marketing team to help do that cyber splitting, um, based off this. But again, these are things we're learning that everyone's different, and uh, it's more about, uh, finding ways to be flexible and maybe offering some of that stuff in here for prospect fishing, I guess you'd call it. With agreements. But on our direct side, just to fill you in, uh, we don't allow any type of fish to go out the door without an agreement from the organization that they are authorizing it, um, which the admins mm. do before they come into the application. Um, they go through terms and conditions to basically let them know that you're using this for good purposes, internal only. Um, you're not just going out and fishing random organizations to try to drum up business. that is illegal
0: oh that's that's uh i didn't think about that but that's that's a good point um all right so uh i have just a couple of other questions left at least for me um for those of you watching this if you have any questions uh please put them into the chat now that way we can ask those so um we've we've already talked about pricing And we've talked about how there is a discount for MSPs, I believe starting even at one, and then the discount gets better as we continue to get more and more end users. Is that accurate?
1: Correct. Yeah. 20% is where all MSPs
0: start on their discount or their margin discount rate. How, um, Shiva earlier asked what the referral is like. You know, are we getting 20% on all referrals or?
1: referrals are 10% and that's also recurring. So all you need to do is pass that lead over. We do all the billing, we manage the customer, we market to them, we onboard them and we support them. Um, And then for saying thank you for passing them over, as long as they remain a curricular customer, we continue to pay that referral fee each year.
0: And does that referral fee ever get better? Like how the MSP discount continues to maybe go up? As we continue to get more and more licenses? It probably
1: could. Um, we just don't see a lot of volume on the referral side. So it's more
0: focused on the manage side. But I could see that. I mean, it's 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 nicer and easier for us when we're able to manage it too, you know? Yep. Exactly. All right. So what is next on your like roadmap? Do you guys have any secrets you wanna you wanna spill the beans on?
1: Uh, probably, yeah. So, you know, we've had this section here, um, which I talked about the library section. So this is uh, earlier before we started, we are talking about Wix a little bit. Right away, we've heard people talk about our content creator as the uh, Wix website builder for making content. So this is something that we just launched right prior to the MSP program that allows you to make custom training content on any topic and deliver it out the door to your customers. Um, and this is how it looks. I mean, you literally log in. It's the exact same tool that we curricula employees use to deliver our training episodes. Uh, the difference is that we have an in-house creative design and music team that builds all of the content. Um, but anyone can build this, like what we're doing here, create content, uh, upload videos to it, add quiz questions, all this stuff, and deliver it in one of those assignments. Uh, one of the so if you take this concept of how easy this is to just kind of plug and play and add this in as a non-designer, non-programmer uh, to release content, one of the struggles we've seen with phishing uh, simulations is that a lot of people are just doing phishing simulations, but they're not really getting anything out of it other than the numbers on the screen. So not only have we added a into play where you can kind of meet and greet the characters from the episodes that you're actually fighting against. Uh, in the real simulator, but we're also adding in a component where it allows you to make your own custom phishing templates, just like you're seeing here in like a Wix style builder uh, to make powerful phishing templates, not just phishing templates. And I, I correlate that for a reason because um, a lot of phishing templates are designed to be uh, better and better and better. And I, I know, you know, plain text ones still have a high click rate, but what we wanted to do is save any admin time on making this stuff in a simple click and, and launch uh, point of view. So that is actually coming next on our roadmap, where uh, customers and MSPs will be able to launch their own custom phishing uh, templates, create them, and manage them to their customers. Second on the list is uh, we are working with the API integrations, like we just talked about, with some of those uh, compliance customers. So. Because of that, that is um something that's gonna open the door to a lot of future integrations. We wanna hear about them. Uh, I'm familiar with ConnectWise, familiar with uh, I met the CEO of Perk Security back in the day uh to talk about kind of um their partnership with Clinic ConnectWise early on. And uh yes, I think that's kind of in our future to figure out where are the tools and services that we would like to play nicely with, and then getting a plan together to play nicely with them. Um but more importantly, I think the bigger picture of what's next for us is that a lot of people don't know about us. Um, a lot of people don't know they have another choice here. And I didn't share this earlier, but we're actually uh, private equity funded from the former founders of Apt River, uh, the founders of Apt River that sold to Zix Corporation a few years ago. Uh, we met with them, and that is actually our Series A partner as a private equity backed organization. Um, because of that, and the reason we uh, pursued this partnership is because we were excited to get more insights from the MSP world. And because of their knowledge, I mean, uh, everyone knows App River, because of their knowledge and um, awareness to deal with uh, App River and their customer success team and their tremendous support, we felt like that was going to be our future. So, what we've done to this date has been pretty good on the direct side, but we want to make sure that we're starting to put a big name out in the industry that hey, we're here, we're another choice from the tools and services you already know about, and it's pretty
3: fun and easy to get started, so why not give us a shot?
0: Well, thank you so much for showing us all of this, Nick. And I just want to clarify, with this this builder here making custom content, are you saying that I could be making or the, the end user or whoever could be making content that might not even be related to security just because we're happy to have a learning platform?
1: Absolutely, and we see it today. I mean, you can make uh, content on how to make a pizza in here if you really want to. It's, uh, it's up to you. And, and a lot of this came from COVID, right? When When everyone was forced to work remote, not only was security awareness training a priority, but they had to train people on all other things new employee practices, their product, their customers, uh, everything in between. And we felt it was a good idea to say, hey, let's support that. Let's bake that into this product so you don't have to go buy a security awareness tool, a uh, PowerPoint, a Wix website builder, uh, an LMS tool. I mean, there's too many tools. Let's try to combine all that and make it under one roof and make it really easy to manage and deliver
0: to everyone. Well, this is awesome, man. Um Nick, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on here and doing this today. Um, I'm going to toss this uh, banner down at the bottom one more time. Become a partner of Curricula. Is that the right URL? Because I thought you had getcurricula.com. We we just migrated. Uh, we had getcurricula for years
1: and years and years. And we just acquired the domain uh, late last year, curricula.com. So curricula.com slash partners, but you could still
0: use get for quite a while congratulations um alright so yeah head over to curricula.com/partners curricula is c u r r i c u l a and uh you can get signed up it, it looks like it's a free program for you to get signed up as a partner and you should be able to get started with uh as few as 1 to 3 licenses and there's also a sandbox that you can play around in that requires zero licenses um so there's definitely opportunity there for you to play around with this product get to know it and more before you even feel like you have to sign your life away and the, the best part of that is uh signing your life away it only happens a month at a time because they don't have long-term contracts so um Thank you so much, guys, for doing this. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much oh, to you and the entire Electric team for being willing to come on here and kind of peel back the curtain a little bit to to see how you guys operate. Um, I would love to have more conversations with you and other people at Electric literally any time you guys want um, because I, I think that your company is is inspiring to see that not only can an MSP launch in like what, five years later be a huge success, but you're also able to do it as like a startup and get funding. And that's phenomenal.
2: Thanks, Steve. And I would be more than happy to uh, join the program at any time, bringing up the folks from my end. It's been great to, to chat to you and great to, uh, um, join Nick. If anyone has any questions, I'd be happy to kind of help afterwards as well.
0: Awesome. And and Nick, you just shared another one that uh, it's unlockedcomputer.com. You said it's a fun little thing to share uh, when they find computers unlocked. It, uh, do
1: you know how people put David Hasselhoff on desktops when they find a computer unlocked and all these funny things? So uh, we just made a fun little free tool, Lockcomputer.com, and it puts a dancing DD on the employing screen, and it shows them how to lock their computer. But we see it used all the time. Even if you're not a customer, it's just something fun to do.
0: Well, see, my favorite thing to do was to press uh, Control-Alt-Down Arrow to make, you know, because most of the time they had the Intel graphics, and that would flip the screen upside down. Or, or I'd hit like the left or right A to really screw with them to make it sideways. But that was my favorite thing to do when somebody left their computer unlocked. Um, but you know, I'm a little, I'm a little different. I'm, I'm a trickster. I like having fun. So, uh, guys, this was great. Um, people that were watching, thanks so much for watching. For those of you listening, uh, thanks to you as well. And I do hope that you all have yourselves a fantastic day.